This is the non-microwave truth, and I'm C.O. Whiteside. Let's get into our first world problem today. I've shared with you before that I love food. I love going to different restaurants. And my bald-headed brother named Kent, who lives in Dallas, Texas. I need you to put a T on that man's name. It's Kent. You hear that? T he, um, he brought this up because he was on a date and he was just talking about how sometimes people put salt on their food before they even try it. Like, do you do that? Do you ever think it's a okay time to do that? And what he said and his reason for why you should never do that is, is actually genius. It's one, you out at a restaurant, can you put a little faith in the, in the chef or the cook? You need to try that food first. But what he says about people that put salt or season their food before they even try it. I'm not talking about after they try it, before they even try it, is they jump to conclusions. And I couldn't disagree with it. I couldn't disagree with it. I never have met a person who just starts dumping salt on their food before they even try it that didn't jump to conclusions usually. And I just remember him sharing about this time where he was on a date with a young lady took her to a, a nice restaurant and he knew that the food was already seasoned and she just gets to taking the salt and dumping it on her food. And he looks at her like, yep, you just messed up your food. And of course she tries her food and he can just see her face where she like, dang, I should have tried it first. And I'll even take it a step farther. Cause one of my friends just asked about this. Even if you go to the same restaurant, let's say every week, and every week you need to add salt, I think you should try it every single time before you add that salt. Because you know what? They could have changed the cook, or maybe that day they felt like adding salt. And this just lets you know how my mind gets to wandering at times. I thought about when Jesus was at Mary and Martha house, and Martha got mad because Mary was just sitting at the feet of Jesus listening. And we can guess or assume that Martha was cooking. Do you think that Jesus put salt on his food before he tried Martha's cooking? I highly doubt it. I highly doubt it. But what do you think? This is our first world problem. Do you and should you put salt on your food before you try it? What would Jesus do? Let's eat. It's dinner time. The title of our episode today is I'm Offended. That's the title. I'm Offended. Is this the most heightened, sensitive, super intelligent, easily offended, soft generation ever? Or is this how it's always been? I think it's always been like this, but maybe we're at one of those peaks, though. Where everyone's just on edge and easily offended. Like, do I have the right to be offended if someone comes up to me and says, hey, you're short? I mean, I am, unless you're comparing me to some kindergartners. But we're definitely in an era and a time where people are very quick to say, I'm offended. Or, you know, that was really offensive. And you can really make people go off when you say something like you are fill in the blank because you did or didn't do fill in the blank. 
Like when you talk about certain things, that can just like hit or push your button, my button. And in most cases, how many times do we respond with, you know what, I just don't want to talk about it anymore. I can't talk about it with this person. They're an idiot. Now, I'm really thinking about people who get mad at messages that especially pertain to the spiritual well-being or the spiritual life of people. Like when they hear certain messages from people or from the church, they can get extremely ticked and it's like a turn off. Like I think about when some people complain about um, the church talks about sex before marriage, but they don't speak about physical and verbal abuse and manipulation. So they are very offended by that. Or they're offended because this person is always talking about you shouldn't smoke, you shouldn't smoke, but yet they drink like a fish. Or when the church speaks against homosexuality, but it seems and appears that they're silent on racism. Hey, this this could be the case. But also what could be the case is that the sin you struggle with most is the sin that appears to be getting preached the loudest. Let me say that again. The sin you struggle with the most is the sin that seems to be getting preached the loudest. And you know what that could be? That could be the Holy Spirit convicting you. But in this American culture, in this microwave society, we are at a standstill. And we're at this standstill because we refuse to have real life conversations that need to be had on a lot of different issues. Like, I want you to think about this. Do you have friends or people around you that that challenge you? And I'm not talking about like just argue to argue, but from a space, they come from a space of like, I want you to be better. I love you and I care for you. I want you to see a different perspective. And I shouldn't say that we never have these conversations or that they aren't happening. But what I should say is that they're limited or they're not really what they should or could be because people are terrified of like, I don't want to say anything that offends you. Or we just don't know how to handle when we are offended. Because what usually happens when we get offended by a point that someone made, we can't even listen to the rest of the message or what that person is saying. And I'm learning that's almost like a light bulb that comes on for me. If I personally get offended, I'm to the point now where I'm like, man, I really, really need to listen to what this person has to say. And if the shoe fits, I got to wear it. And if it doesn't, I'll keep walking. Now, there are two ways that we end up responding when that offense or us being offended is actually true. One is we feel like we got exposed. And when I say exposed, what I mean by that is it's almost like a defense. We're, we're almost angry or we're mad about it because it's something that we want to hide. We want to hide that sin. We want to hide that fault or that impurity. Now, on the other hand, when we are offended and it's true. The way we can respond is like it's a revelation or something that was revealed. And when you feel like something is revealed to you, you have a completely different perspective and approach to it. I look at it like this. If you feel like that's something that's revealed to you, then you can make a change. And that's where repentance comes into play. When something is being exposed, that's an attack. When something is being revealed, that's a blessing. And these are just different perspectives. You know, exposing is like a microwave in the situation. And a lot of times we respond with that. It's like, it's not true. We get defensive and we're like, how dare you? We have that how, how dare you attitude. And we want to move on from it. When something is revealed, that's the non-microwave truth. And this is where we examine and we determine, is this me? Is any form or fashion of what this person is saying, is it true? 
Now, Jesus, Jesus offended people for sure. The group of people that most would argue that seemed to be the most offended by Jesus were the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And these were the religious leaders, the church going folks at that time, the Bible thumpers. They loved the law and they loved the law because they felt that they could follow it better than anyone else and earn their salvation. Meaning I, I don't need a savior. The specific group that I want to look at real quick, though, is the Pharisees. The Pharisees were offended just by almost everything Jesus did. They were offended when Jesus did a miracle on a specific day. They were offended when Jesus was associated with certain people. Like, look at him over there sitting with those sinners. How could he do such a thing? So we see that the Pharisees were easily offended. But a question for you. Do you think that you are easily offended? Are you easily offended? And it's just made me think about sometimes where I have different students come to me with different issues and they're offended because of something that was posted on social media. And they tell me about it and I'm just like, well, did that person say your name? No, but I know they were talking about me. Oh, okay. Well, did they at you? No, but I can just tell they were talking about me. And I always give them this example. If they say a short, bald, black man that's ugly and they talk about him on social media, do I automatically assume that they're talking about me? Well, it does have the right color. It does have the right brand. And it does even have the shoelaces, but it doesn't fit because I'm not ugly. But for real, back to the point, Jesus had no problem calling out the Pharisees. This is in, well, it's a, it's a few times in the Bible, but the time that I'm thinking of and mentioning is from Luke 11, verse 37 through 53. Just to give you a little background, the title of this selection is called Woe on the Pharisees and the Experts in the Law. And Jesus really just called them out for, you know, you say you do this well, but then you don't give love. You don't give justice. And the Pharisees are like, Jesus, you're insulting us. If the shoe fits, wear it, though. I'm offended that you call me racist. I'm offended that you call me sexist. I'm offended that you call me a hypocrite or a bad coach or a lazy worker or a bad parent. Well, are you? Or what you did, was it? Examine yourself for real. And just because you are offended doesn't mean it really was offensive, especially from a biblical sense. Now, I want to look at the prodigal son, or sometimes it's titled the, the parable of the lost son. And when you look at that, who is the most offended person in this story? Background of the story this is where we have two brothers. One of the brothers says, hey, give me, my, give me my inheritance. He goes off. He squanders it. He ends up with the pigs. He asks his father to come back. His father takes him in. His father allows him to come back despite his disrespect, despite him blowing all of the money and inheritance that he gave him, despite him being completely in the wrong. And this is the son that usually gets the focus when, when this story gets brought up. But there was another son there. There was a son who stayed there and appeared to be obedient and appeared to continue to work for his father in the right way. But when you really examine and you look at this son, and you, you should check out this. This is from Luke 15, verse 11 to 32. And there's also this great book called The Prodigal God. And it just breaks it down a lot more in depth than I'm actually going to go. When you look at the son who stayed, he was highly offended 
by the amount of grace that his father showed to his brother who went out and acted a fool. And the brother who stayed home shows his true colors because when they throw a party for his brother who came back, he's angry and he refuses to go in and party and to celebrate that his brother came back. And he's offended because he's more so like, you should have did this for me. I haven't even asked you for a lot and you haven't given me much. And the father's like, you've been with me the whole time. Everything I have is yours. We need to celebrate and we got to be glad for your brother coming back because he once was dead, but now he is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. But that brother that stayed is a lot like us. When we get angry at God, when he doesn't judge how we would or the plan is not going how we would have it go. And we forget or don't care about the grace that God has shown us. And you know what that comes down to? It comes down to the fact that I want to play God or you want to play God. And it doesn't make any sense when you say it out loud, but we think we know more than an all powerful, awesome God. And that is crazy when you say it out loud. I think I know more than God. And like the brother in the parable of the lost son who stayed at home or the prodigal son. Or like the Pharisees or like myself or like you and I at times, we don't want to need a savior. And our pride blinds us to the fact that we do need a savior because we are sinful. And thank God that he doesn't say to us, I'm offended. I'm so offended that I'm just going to destroy you and send you to hell. Nope. He continuously loves us and he continuously showers us with his grace and love. Okay, but we got to look at this. I don't think you can be a Christian and not know how to properly offend people. This is something I know that I definitely need to work on, and I am working on it. And I also want to look at this. How do you properly respond when you are offended? And I want to look at Jesus and the woman at the well. And for those who are not familiar with this story, this is when Jesus is at a well and he meets a woman who has been living in sin. She has had multiple husbands in her life. And the first thing that Jesus does that I want to point out that we all need to do is Jesus loves first, and then he tells her that she's wrong. Now, of course, the Pharisee approach is cool when you can just put people on blast and let them know, but just understand a lot of the Pharisees had hardened hearts. And since they were leaders and people of influence, they were addressed differently. But when you look at Jesus and this woman at the well, Jesus goes to a well and he confronts a woman about being an adulterer. He shares he's the son of God and that he has everlasting water. The woman believes, tells everyone in the town, the Holy Spirit does his thing, and a bunch of Samaritans believe. Now, the first thing I want to look at that's unique or special about how Jesus did this, how he properly addressed this woman or how he properly offended her, is just the time of day when you read this in John chapter four is unique. Most people don't get their water during the heat of the day. But when you read this, Jesus was going there. He stopped at noon and this woman happened to be there at noon. So what I'm guessing is I'm guessing this woman got tired of hearing the whispers and she got offended quite a bit by the people of her town. So Jesus meets her where she's at. The second thing I want to point out, Jesus humbles himself. He asks. He doesn't demand And if you notice, when you read this, she mentions the cultural tension that they have. 
And despite Jesus being a man in this time, it would have been okay for him to demand and to talk to her crazy. Instead, he still humbly asks, will you give me water? The third thing is he gives an answer before he talks about the problem. Like that's special. He connects and he gets close. Now, it could appear, it does appear that this woman was searching for some type of closeness, especially from a man. But Jesus offered her closeness by conversation, by not just wanting her for sex or for her body, what it seems that she was used to. The conversation he offers is something before even sharing her fault. He loves her first and he lets her know that he cares. He cares about her spiritual well-being and he cares about that void that void she is missing and wants to be filled. And that's where he gives the answer before he even talks about the problem. The problem being she already had had five husbands and the man she was living with right now wasn't her husband. So she was thirsty. She was thirsty, thirsty. But Jesus said, hey, you've been on that thirst of this world, that thirst of this flesh. Jesus was like, I can quench that spiritual thirst which is in the inside. And because I quench this spiritual thirst, you're not going to be thirsty of the flesh. And the last thing I want to bring up is that Jesus let her bring up the problem when she said, or when she answered, I have no husband. Now, this is usually where we would jump in and say, this is why you're wrong, or this is why you're right. Jesus gave facts. He allowed her to see that she was wrong. Now, I want to look at the woman and how we should respond when we feel like we are being offended. And the first thing is, if you notice, this woman didn't become defensive or try to justify. She didn't say, well, I have all these husbands because men have been treating me wrong. Or I have all these husbands because God should make a good man. Or who cares if I have all these husbands? It's my body. I can do whatever I want with my body. She listened and she didn't reject the Holy Spirit revealing to her what the non-microwave truth was. That she needed a savior that there was a void that could be filled only by, by God. The second thing, this woman didn't wait to make the change. Like she didn't approach this or consider this her being exposed. This was a revelation. And it says she left her water jaw right then and there. So it wasn't like, oh, you know, well, tomorrow or I'm going to have to go talk to this guy. She left her water jaw right then and there. And then what did she do? This is the last point I want to hit you with. My guess is the people who had offended her before probably were the people of the town. But what did this woman do? She still went and loved them and admitted to them her flaw. Now, that takes some spiritual maturity and it takes the Holy Spirit moving you. Three big takeaways. Next time you are offended, see if there's any truth to it. Allow it to reveal and not feel like it's exposing you and you need to become defensive. Second thing, part of us being offended is us wanting to play God and not be deemed as bad. And I put air quotes around that because what is bad? You only know what good or bad is comparing it to something. But the only thing that really should be telling us what good or bad is, is God's word and the Holy Spirit speaking to us through the word. And the final takeaway is this. Jesus offended people not to say I am wrong and you are right. And when looking at his approach, the approach that more times than not that we should take is the approach he took with the woman at the well and not the approach he took with the Pharisees because we don't have a perfect and clear vision like Jesus does. 
We have our own specks and our own planks in our own eyes. And this is the non-microwave truth. And if the shoe fits, then wear it. And if it doesn't, keep walking. Walking with God. Thanks for joining me on this episode of I'm Offended. And definitely, definitely hit me up, Champion Life 23, Instagram or Twitter. Peace punch, Captain Crunch. Say no to drugs and yes to Jesus. I'm out.